We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Today is Monday, November 11th. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Chris List. As always, we are sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy Sports. Chris, uh, week 10 almost in the books, but for the Seattle-San Francisco game. Uh, how was your week? It was okay. It was going great until Sunday night just killed it. I, I lost a key league because Dalvin Cook went off. The Cowboys were one of my super contest picks. Um, I had a remote chance to win in another league where the guy going against me was Brad Evans had Michael Gallup among others. I was probably going to lose anyway, but Gallup getting a touchdown pretty much sealed that. So it was a terrible Sunday night game, but everything else was good. Yeah. The Sunday night game. Um, I, I, you know, well, we disagreed on that last week. I had, I was on the uh, Vikings, you were on the Cowboys and it turned out to be, uh, the Vikings, but that was Jason Garrett induced too. I mean, they, they're, they're two, I mean, they're pretty much equal teams. Um, I still think they are at least, and it just that means like any one score can change everything. And punting on in plus territory on fourth and short, trying a fifty-seven yard field goal—I mean, that's not helping you. And, and when you when you're on the Cowboys, you hate seeing these things. 
Yeah. I mean, Jason Garrett, but you know, I knew Jason Garrett was the coach of the Cowboys, unfortunately, when I picked them. And so it's sort of on me, you know, it's like saying, well, they were good, except their quarterback wasn't good. Well, they're good, except their coach wasn't good. And that's probably enough to sour it. I agree. I think they were just as good. I thought Dak was throwing the ball around pretty well and, and they just needed to be a little less predictable in the play calling, obviously punting on fourth and short and plus territory was moronic. And, uh, yeah, I could have gone either way, but you definitely wanted the underdog in that game, you know, where the Vikings were getting points. Yeah, that's right. Um, it wasn't the only bad coaching decision of the week. Uh, you blogged about Matt LaFleur, uh, for the, uh, Packers punting on fourth and three up eight on the, from the Carolina 38, you know, other games this year we've seen where, uh, you know, Tomlin did the opposite. He was, he was aggressive and went for and fourth down against the Rams, helped seal that game. Uh, you know, it, you know, you have a big conversion like that and it makes a big difference. It led to three extra points for the Steelers and they needed that. Yeah. I mean, just go and seal it off. I mean, anyone who plays any poker, I'm not even a serious poker player, but you know, you, you know, if you have decent cards or you catch a you know good part of the flop, you got to push your chips. Like you can't just constantly wait for a better opportunity. Sometimes the best opportunity is now fourth and three 38 yard line. You're up eight. Just win it now. You know, don't hope for the goal line stand and, you know, basically McCaffrey scored on that last play, but they couldn't see it. So they got lucky. But I mean, why your best chance is with Aaron Rodgers to win the game now. And I think coaches, I mean, obviously, you know, it's, I don't know. I mean, we know, we know why we know the whole moronic result oriented talk radio BS that they used to deal with. I don't know if that's still a thing now, but you know, there, there's cover now. Everyone goes on fourth down. Shermer went on fourth down. He did a stupid punt, but then he also did one on his own 39 and it totally paid off. Yeah. And you see that more often. Yeah, we definitely do. It's happening much more often. Like you're not nearly as likely to get excoriated for failing on fourth and short, um, as you would have 10 or 20 years ago. So there's just no excuse for it. I, I grant coaches some leeway to think, you know, well, I know how the team is playing and the defense is rested or I understand it. But even within that, some of it's just, it's just, they, they like have a brain freeze or something. I mean, obviously if you're, if you bet the Panthers or you are the Panthers, you're a Panthers fan, you are so happy to see them punt on that fourth and three. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You definitely are happy to see that. Uh, a couple other, uh, you know, baffling things. Seeing, you know, Freddie Kitchen still calling plays and horrible goal line sequence. And I, I read some, I, I mean, I heard something on the bro- broadcast. Like one of the uh, analysts was saying, well, they've already done eight goal line plays. They probably don't have any others left. You know, like, well, that's not great. None of these are any good. You know, how can you only have that many? You're a professional football organization. You should have, I mean, shouldn't you just have this bottomless well of contingencies? Yeah, I mean, you don't even need that many different plays. You just need to be unpredictable with the four plays you have. You know right. I mean, if you just, if they just don't know exactly how to defend what you're doing, then you're going to, you're going to catch them at their weak point. You're going to be able to attack the weak part of their defense. And it's just not, it's not that complex. I don't think, I mean, a lot of teams do very simple stuff. The Patriots are really simple. I mean, they're just throwing these short passes and handing it off, but they're doing it pace there might be four or five main plays they do, but the other team doesn't know which one they're using and they exploit weaknesses and they go at it over and over again. Right. It seems like it's a lot of these coaches like overcomplicate things. 
Yeah, uh, I think the the narrative can change pretty quickly. We're talking about uh, Sean McVay earlier on the show today, and you know he has no answers right now. He has no way to you know give Goff more time, make him look good. I you know is it really just a good offensive line makes a you know play calling look like a genius? You know, yeah, any play can work when you have a little bit more time to deliver it. A lot of it's that, yeah. I mean, I, I really. I really think that offensive line is so huge. And this is back to old school football, right? They used to draft offensive tackles, the first overall pick sometimes. I mean, was Orlando Pace, the first pick. I mean, that was he's a great pick. Yeah. <laughs> you know, now it's like you have to get some quarterback. And it's like, why? Quarterback is so fungible, except for a few guys that you really can't count on getting, unless you have a generational prospect at a college that you're like, this guy is once every five or 10 years take the left tackle, take the edge rusher who just, you know, basically left tackle and the edge rusher, the same thing on the opposite side. It's you get more time or you give the other team less time, but it really does seem like offensive line is just so important to the play calling to the quarterback quality. Any quarterback's fine with a decent offensive line and McVay. I, I just don't really know how good of a coach McVay is. He had a really innovative scheme. It seemed to get solved. He hasn't made the adjustment yet. They also had, Jared Goff on the cheap. Not that he was great, but at least he was cheap as a quarterback. They locked up Gurley. They locked up Goff. Donald's getting paid a ton, and I'm sure he deserves it. But how much money is left for all the rest of the positions? You know, I mean, it's right. it gets harder to win once you're paying those guys the you know the big contracts that they get in their second contract. And that's why the Goff contract is already looking terrible. Oh, and Gurley. I mean, it's 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 awful. And and McVeigh. You know, everyone's so impressed by his feats of memory and I mock that on Twitter, but it's like, yes. that's not the same as coaching. You know, I mean, you don't want some savant, you know, to be coaching your team. You want somebody who knows how to coach a team and adjust and, you know, and, and I don't, I don't really trust the, the Rams brain trust. I mean, they, McVay obviously had a, a part in that and they're the ones giving out these contracts. I'm sure he had input and that, that was just a huge mistake. Yeah, absolutely. And it and they're really hamstrung for the future. They've traded away all these first round draft picks. Draft pick uh, not just first rounders, other draft picks too. They they've got all this money tied up. They're going to have to tie more up when they sign Jalen Ramsey otherwise that trade's going to be worthless. Uh because this is at best looking like a wild card team and right now it's not even a playoff team. They're not going to make the playoffs. No, they're done. They're done. There's no way. There's a way. There's just no way. The, the NFC has so many teams and someone's got to win the NFC East. Unfortunately for the Rams. Right. So I just, I don't see them getting there. I don't, I don't see the the path to get there. They're not going to pass Seattle or San Francisco. So they're going to have to beat either Green Bay or Minnesota. I don't think that's happening. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it, yeah, I guess it's, I could see them catching Seattle. We'll see what happens to uh, the Monday night game between Seattle and San Francisco. If, if, if Seattle wins, yeah, then that, that, that's, that path is closed pretty much. Yeah, it's they're in a really bad shape. They're two really games behind the Seahawks. Yep, and I believe they lost. Did they miss? I think they lost to the Seahawks, right? In Seattle, uh, that Thursday night game, they missed a field goal, right? Yep, Zerline missed one. Of all, you know. So and, I mean, you know, they're already down on the tie break. They can't just by even if they win the second matchup, they're still a game behind, a full game behind. Yeah, that's that's the funny thing is they actually played well that game, and then of all things, the kicker let them down, uh, which. Usually you would say, you know, for a normal team, that'd be okay, kind of normal, like a 45 yard or whatever. But for the Rams, I mean, that's, that's massive. Uh, so they're still five and four. 
I mean, yeah, if Seattle wins, then they're two and a half up on the Rams. If they lose, one and a half. Uh, the, and then there's the Vikings. Yeah, it's it's really a tough path. You're absolutely right. So. Yeah, it is. I mean, they're not even ahead of the Panthers right now. They did beat the yeah. Panthers head to head. but Right. Uh, I want to talk. Uh, by the way, I, we didn't mention this on the show, and I'm disappointed I didn't bring it up. Um, the Atlanta kicker, it's Young Hui Koo. Yeah, I knew that the whole time. Yeah. I mean, it's spelled Young Ho, and I just, but I was very disappointed to hear that. I don't, for whatever reason, I had never heard it pronounced. So, yeah, that, that bummed me out when I heard yesterday that it's like, oh, Chris, yeah, it's be Young Ho. I mean, but like, yeah, I mean, it, it, you probably should spell it like H W E or something, you know, in English, because it would sound more, you know, H W E Y or something. How dare they not or conform W-H-E-Y. to our phonetics? Right. We're, we're like, well, no, but it's, 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 his name is probably composed of Korean characters, like his right. real name. Right. So it's like, not like we're trying to spell it that, so it sounds right. But you know, verb, you know, it reads phonetically like ho. So I'm going to stick with it for now. Right. That's fine. Yeah. It's still, yeah. The jokes are still the jokes and he was good. You can say it still works in, in print. Some jokes don't work verbally. Like for example, this won't work on the radio, but you can imagine it, and it will work if you imagine it in print. And so this is a leap. You could say, I saw this joke that said, your children may be nice, but ger- German children will always be kinder. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, right. It doesn't work verbally, but if you yeah. read it, it would work. Yes. A similar, right. a similar type of thing. Yeah. Anyhow, anyhow Young Hui, four for four. But the Colts could wish they had that going on right now. Yeah, I bet they do. Just pair him with Malik Hooker. It'd be perfect. Yeah. Uh, another game lost by a kicker. They've lost four, three of them. Well, this wasn't totally lost by the kicker. It was also lost by Brian Hoyer's three interceptions. But don't get in the way of my narrative. He missed another extra point, and they could have kicked the field goal at the end instead of they instead of having to go for it. Uh, they they even then though at the very end their lack of urgency. Uh, in the on that final drive was annoying. They let like they had some pass over the middle and they lost like twenty five thirty seconds. Didn't use the timeout, and yeah, they 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 fell short. They had to go for a fourth and ten. It was it would have been like five the five yard line would have been a first down. But the point being is they didn't. I mean, I felt like they spent they, they even then you, you still got to make the plays, but they just wasted they, they wasted time, and so then all of a sudden like. Yeah, okay, now the Dolphins need to do is sit it twice, and they're done. I mean, it's just even if they had two timeouts, it didn't matter uh, because it was like 30 seconds, le- less than 30 seconds left. There just wasn't urgency. I don't know. It was, just, it was weird to watch that ending. Yeah. Um, the, the Colts are very deliberate. Like, they always kind of just do it that way. And they it, it wasn't really the clock that killed them. I'll tell you one thing, though, that you brought up that just kills me. And every game I see it, end of half, end of game, use your freaking timeout. Yeah. I mean, these teams with two or three timeouts, there's like 46 seconds and they're like running up to like not spike the ball, but they're like, just call the timeout. You can't take them with you. Just calm down, call a timeout. You can always run a play out of bounds or, you know, an incomplete pass to stop the clock. You still have two left. You can use another one. They just, they save those timeouts. It's like, well, and it's a miser hoarding money to the grave, you know, with no errors. It's like, dude, you saved your money your whole life. You never got to spend it. Like, Spend those timeouts. I don't know. The coaches are so ridiculous with that. Yeah. I and mean, what's even worse is like they're afraid of the other team getting the ball for 30 seconds. So they'll like run it down to like nine seconds. They have time for one play 
And then, okay, we had to we had to settle for the field goal. And then the, as the clock runs out, okay, great, you got that field goal, but you could have had a touchdown. All you, I mean, okay, maybe they would have gotten the ball back with a little bit of time, but you play an entire half of football, and then you're worried about them getting the ball for 30 seconds at the end of the second quarter. I mean, get the touchdown. Yeah, I mean, I, I like that they. I like when teams are conscious of the possessions, but just got to use those timeouts, man. It's just it's one of the most frustrating things. You're like. What do you, the ball just got caught 15 yards up the field at the 45 in the middle of the field. You got 38 seconds immediately call the timeout. What do you wait? What are you trying to hurry for? Right. That's exactly right. Um, so yeah, that, that, and I saw that in a couple of games yesterday where it was like that. And I'm trying to recall exactly which ones it might've been, uh, it definitely wasn't, you know, it wasn't, I think it wasn't Packers Panthers. I know that, um, they actually went for it and got stopped. That was great. But uh, I enjoyed that whole sequence. It's very entertaining football, even though even if the Packers' entire drive was illegitimate because of that call in their own end zone uh, on the uh, roughing Rodgers play. But still. I didn't even see that, but I, I just saw them, like, commenting on it. But even then, the announcers were like, he made a mistake, and it's great to see him, you know, overcome it with the stop. I'm like. No, he didn't make a mistake at all. Like he didn't even make a mistake. Yeah. Exactly. Just because the ref throws a flag doesn't mean it's a mistake. Well, when I hear and, and we'll repeat the rant from earlier, I hate the ref, the retired ref in the booth, or the ref analysis in this, either in the booth like Monday Night Football or in the studio. Like, hey, Gene, hey, Mike Ferrer, what do you think about this? These all of them, they're like, they're they're all the same. They're like, well, you can't judge intent, so therefore, even though we can see right here that he didn't mean to slam him down in the turf, that you know he didn't, and he didn't indeed. He didn't hit him high. It actually looks it look, it was wor- it looked worse than it was. We got to go with that call any. No, you don't. Stop already. It's terrible. And I hate I hate yeah, the, the justifying. Like justify injustice. Yeah. It's like a really bad idea by the NFL. It's sort of like, well, we know if, I, I don't know what the thinking is for those guys. They're not charismatic or interesting. So, it's like, well, we should have a guy explain what's happening, but why? Because if they don't, they feel like, well, maybe this will just seem arbitrary and BS. Well, it is arbitrary and BS. And just having a guy who's totally lacks like any sort of charisma explain it and justify it, it yep. just makes it worse. It just makes it seem like now you're really selling this way too hard. Like I never – I don't agree with this in the first place. Now you're just making me agree with it even less. And you're wasting our time. And you and I talked about it. Just – just forget the reviews. Just we'll just live with the errors. There's always been errors in sports and officiating. It's, it's not really avoidable, and just at least we can just move on from them. But you have these idiots justifying them, and it just makes it worse every time they justify any sort of pass interference situation. You're like, did we know this? We know this penalty is called com- so inconsistently, even within games, from game to game. It's totally inconsistent when pass interference is. Sometimes there's a total mugging. It's like let them play. Sometimes the guy barely touches the guy and it's a flag. Sometimes it's the same game. It happens. We know it's crap. We know these officials can't really see everything that's going on. And they're just sort of assuming things. If the guy falls, they throw a flag. It turns out he slipped. We know they'll never overturn it on review. Right. Just let it, let it be. Okay. It's an injustice. It's just a fact. Let's just get over it and move on. But these refs coming in and making these explanations and trying to justify the unjustifiable is uh, trying to defend the indefensible is just ridiculous. When I saw Mr. Appeal to Authority himself, Tony Dungy, questioning it, I knew it had gone too far. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, yeah, yes. now it's now it's really gone too far. But, uh, yeah, so it goes. Um, it, I, I hate that I know the names of all these ref guys. 
Um, the worst was when Jeff Triplett was in ESPN's booth, I think, for either the playoffs or a game or something like that. I hated him as a ref. Why would I want to listen to him in a broadcast? Stop. Get him out of there. Yeah, I truly, I mean, refs, I feel bad for them because they're just doing their jobs, but I truly hate yeah. all those dudes. When they come up and they make the announcement, I'm just like, just go away. I just, just, it's a terrible job, really. Oh, yeah. Umpires, same thing. There are some that, are, I mean, it's a no-win situation. You rarely say, oh, yeah, that ref really nailed it. He's really good. I like it that he's doing this game. Very rarely does that happen. Right. Yeah, Invisibility I get Invisibility is their only, is their only, like, if they do their job, nobody even knows who they are. Exactly. Exactly. And it's a, it's a thank, well, it's not entirely thankless, but it's about 98% thankless job. So I get that. But yeah. so, but why make these guys stars? Why do we have these like, Oh, ref explainers now? I'm just like, ah, get away. Why get did off. Joe Buck, get a talk show on HBO. I mean, you know, who knows, who knows what these people are thinking? Yeah. Why did magic Johnson get a talk show? That didn't work out so well either, <laughs> but you know, there's a lot of failed talk shows out there. Sometimes failed podcasts yeah. too. Who knows? Yes. On that on that note, we might fail someday. Who knows? The NFL season is in full swing at Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. There's a million reasons to enter the free Yahoo Cup on Daily Fantasy, and they're all dollars. That's right. Yahoo Cup is free to enter, and a perfect lineup will win you a million dollars every week of the football season. It's as easy as entering the contest and picking your players. If you're over 18 and a United States citizen, there's no reason why you shouldn't take your shot. Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes. If you don't score a perfect lineup, you can still walk away from a game with a little cash. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy today. Get started now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. Okay, so we got our reference out of the way. Let's get let's go back to the actual games on the field. Um, I saw some going across Twitter today. It was pretty cool. Uh, John Harbaugh talking Lamar Jackson on the sidelines. Like he had already been like it was during the fourth quarter and the, the Bengals had thrown up the white flag. Uh, Rob RG three was in the game. Harbaugh comes up to, uh, you know, Jackson, just like pumping him like, you know, I mean, I, your teammates love you. You are awesome. And you know, things like that. And he goes, there's 20 years from now, there's going to be a bunch of kids wearing number eight out there and all that. You're changing the position. And I just love seeing that. I mean, it's just, I hate it that it's against my team and it's a, it's for a division rival, but you know, it, it's the evolving face of football and the position and that lots of people saw it happening. Guys like Mario and Jerry were you know pumping you know, Jack Jackson up going into the draft. Uh, and yet you had these old school football types. Oh, he's not going to be built to last. Oh, can he throw? And you know, all that, you know, there, there's there's still that changing mentality about who can be a quarterback in the NFL. That won't work in the NFL, that sort of stuff. Uh, it's it's working pretty good in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think there's a lot of speculation about the motivations of the old school types. I think that's a little unfair. I think, you know, don't I didn't say yeah. racism unless you have evidence of specific that. No, specific I don't even think evidence. it's that. I think it's like they hate change. They just like, oh, I yeah, have well, an idea of what my quarterback should should be. Everybody hates change. So yeah. old school types are always going to resist anything. You know, and they hate the analytics. Yeah. Um, some of it, I think some of the analytics is fake analytics, but sure. some of it's obviously useful. Um, Lamar Jackson just seems like, and, is, you know, I understand like, okay, well, the NFL is different and you know, Michael Vick was the first quarterback that had that kind of running skill. We're not talking about Steve Young or Kaepernick mm-hmm. or Russell Wilson even. We're talking about like ridiculous running skills, not just really good running skills such that you're a top five runner in the NFL, not a top five running quarterback in the NFL. So we've only really seen it, I think, once. Randall Cunningham was pretty good, but I don't think he was Vick or Lamar Jackson. 
And, you know, Vic was just okay. They went to a championship game, the, uh, the Falcons one year with Vic and the Eagles had that good year with, I think it was with Chip Kelly, but, um, it hasn't, you know, they haven't really seen it succeed this much, but on the other hand, you know, if you have those kind of running skills, I mean, your floor is so high. I mean, you just have to be okay as a passer to be a plus player at the position. And then if Lamar Jackson ends up being good as a passer, it looks like he might even be pretty good. Maybe he's getting better. He's still very young and he's still learning. Uh, You may have like a, you know, a hall of fame type of player. I mean, he might just be an unstoppable thing where he is changing the game. Yeah. But, and he's doing it right now. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. If if you bet football or obviously fantasy is different because you get extra points for running, but if you bet football, and you're going against a team with a guy like that, you're like, shit, I wish I had bet on his, t-. you know, it really, you see how hard it is to defend that and how, how backbreaking it is when it's third and long and he escapes and gets a first down. You're like, ah, this is just a nightmare. How could you not as a front office person think, huh? You know, if, if this guy even has any skills as a passer and it looks like he does, he's going to be unstoppable. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And think about it. He Look at who he's throwing to, too. Yeah, Mark Andrews right. is pretty good as a tight end. But they draft one game where he had like eight drops. Yeah, the Seattle game in the rain. Um, Marquise Brown, they, they did a dra- invest a, dra- a high draft pick in him. But look at the rest of the receivers yeah, on like that team. He's like the real team. deal, though. He's just a little skinny and he's been yeah. hurt a lot. But yeah. And I just, like my point is they haven't had him Jackson. the whole season. Yeah. Then you've got Willie Sneed. Uh, Miles Boykin is another guy they drafted this year. They overhauled their receiving core, uh, but they don't have like just wait till they get another good wide receiver. You know that they could be just completely unstoppable. Yeah, I mean things change so fast. It looked like the Chiefs were so unstoppable, and they still might be. But yeah, Hill gets hurt, Mahomes gets hurt. It's just so hard to keep all the pieces in place at one time, but. Uh, it's, you know, it's good for the NFL. It's good for fans that Lamar Jackson's in the league. It's good that Patrick Mahomes in the league. It's good that George Kittle's in the league. You know, these are the players that you come that you're like, okay, I want to see what this guy can do. And, you know, every time we get an, another player like that, that's uniquely good. Um, it's, it's just good. It's just a, uh, unqualified good for the game. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, uh, yeah, it, and it's, it's fun to watch. Other side of the coin is funny. I saw an article today. Well, I saw two, a com, a two articles, a combination of thoughts here. Jay Glazer is like, you know, Zach Taylor really is doing well, you know, some good th- things right for the Bengals. Uh, but he just needs to clean house because it's clear out a lot of dead weight on that roster. But the problem is you still have no GM. You still have no uh, – you still have you know fewer scouts than – Really, you know, anybody in football, I mean, it's going to be impossible to overhaul it. Then I saw this art, other article, like, after in the wake of the blowout. Somebody's, you know, this writer's like, so, who's going to lose their job over this one? Someone's got to get fired. But really, you can't fire the owner. You can't fire that, anybody. I mean, no coach really necessarily deserves to be fired when you have this piss-poor pre- uh, personnel. You have no linebackers. I saw a stat today. Preston Brown has uh, has been attacked 21 times in passes. They're 20 of 21 for like 270 yards against him. You know, they can't cover a tight end. They can't cover a running back in the flat. It's just a simple thing. They don't have the personnel for it. It's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. But, you know, there's got to be, you know, I mean, I guess there's nothing you can really do. There should be some mechanism. 
by which a team could be relegated or an owner could be, you know, compensated at market value for his team. The league just sort of assumes a receivership of the team, gives him his billion dollars, whatever it's worth, and then just, you know, does some sort of auction for the, you know, for the, that, that you just can't. It's been done twice. Problem, Look at Donald Sterling uh, with the Clippers well, and Frank Sterling, McCourt. Well, well, right. And that, you know, those are obviously good for both of those leagues. Donald Sterling got rung up because he said something yep. uh, in privacy that got published. And that's, a you know, a, a, you know as, as much as you might disagree or think odious what he said, it's a dangerous precedent, you know, in your own house, like that's grounds. But I think the real reason, or that was that was a real reason. But another real reason they got rid of him is he was just such a parsimonious, terrible owner that uh, was bad for the game, irrespective of that. And it was like good riddance. And I, you know, McCourt, same thing. And so, you know, Mike Brown, maybe you know, they've got to be some mechanism um, where after a while, you know, the league can just say, "Look, man, you you know, you've got to." The problem is that the Bengals have won, you know, the Bengals have made the playoffs in the last five years. So it's going to be hard. And you can't, you have to have some objective criterion. Yeah. You can't just say, well, your team sucks this year. It has to be like, you know what I mean? It's like everybody knows that he should not be the GM, but Jerry Jones is the GM. And, you know, I'm not saying that's worked out great, but the Cowboys are credible at least. I th- the Cowboys are one of eight teams that haven't been in a conference championship game in the last 20 years. I saw that stat the other day. I think yeah. it's 20 I mean, years. I need to make, lot, get the last time few years me. they've been credible as a, as a contender. Yeah, you I know, understand. The Bengals are not credible. Now. Yeah. Yeah, the Bengals aren't definitely. Yeah, but it, it's funny the company that the Cowboys had kept in that as far as right. that stat well, goes. Also, well, also, um, you know. Jason Garrett should have been fired years ago, but because he's a yes man for Jerry, and that's another bad reason. You know, I mean, if if there was sort of an, a GM insulating them, you know, maybe uh, Jason Garrett would have been fired if they had a real GM. Right, right. I do. I do think it uh, this year has kind of illustrated that as much as I think it was time for Marvin Lewis to go, I think he also was underappreciated in some ways too. I mean, uh, it. I mean, you look at just the constraints that he was working against and you start seeing stuff come out of the woodwork, Carson Palmer saying some things, uh, you know, you, you see these little tidbits here of what they are working against and that for, I mean, for a while they had a good run. I'll say this too. Drafting is hard. Everybody misses in the draft. Every team has had a bad draft. It's what you do like in recovering from that, that I sometimes, you know, what you do in addition to that. And the Bengals don't go that extra step. Well, it's like fantasy. It's like fantasy. You know, some people, you know, sometimes you have a bad draft and you're like, oh, I got screwed. My first and second round pick weren't very good. And you just kind of like half-ass it and your team's bad. Or some people kind of scramble to mediocrity when they have a terrible draft. And when they have a good draft, they crush it. And it's the same thing, right? It's like how – how do you, you know, how do you adjust to the situation? I mean, look at the Patriots. I mean, they got Sony Michelle last year. He looks like kind of a, if not a bust. I mean, he's important yep. in the playoffs last year. He's not really a plus guy as a first round pick. Nikhil Harry hasn't even played. Yeah, so the last two first round picks. Right, and they, look how many times they've whiffed on wide receivers in the draft. You know, yeah. Aaron Dobson. Yes, Chad Jackson. Chad Jackson is the one I was thinking of. Yeah, there's a lot of those. Uh, so yeah, it, drafting is hard. It's really hard. Uh, and 
that's one of the things that the Pats actually have been good about is they'll trade down a lot and they'll, they'll accumulate volume uh, that way. They'll, you don't see them trading up very often at all. Sometimes trading up works. After all, the Ravens trade up to uh, to go get uh, Lamar Jackson, so you know, it can work. But you know, at the same time, you know, it, it, a lot of times Man, the, Pats, the Giants should have done that. Oh, the Bengals should have. I, done I that. like Danny Dimes. I'm oh. I'm happy with Danny Dimes, but. They could have had it at least last year. I was just—I remember I was talking to Mario, who was big on Lamar Jackson before the draft, and they, you know, if they had just traded up instead of the Ravens, they had a pick like the second or second pick of the second round, just a few picks up. They could have had, you know, Odell Beckham, Saquon Barkley, and Lamar Jackson on the same team. And right. how do you defend that? Now their offensive line was crap, so they ended up using Will Hernandez with that pick. Who I don't know exactly how he's grading out, but the line is so bad, I can't imagine he's doing great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and here's the thing. What if the Bengals had been the team that had drafted Lamar Jackson? What if they traded up and got him? Would they still have he would, he would an not. awful offensive line and a terrible coordinator, and therefore it would he, yeah. we never would have seen it? Yeah. I, I mean, there's so few guys. I'd say maybe Russell Wilson, maybe Pat Mahomes, maybe Aaron Rodgers. They can transcend like what organization they get stuck with. And maybe Lamar Jackson's that guy, though. I don't know. You know, he wasn't polished as a passer. He, he's looking like he's developing as one, but a couple bad picks, you know, and second guessing. I don't yeah. know. The fact that he's something new combined with a bad organization might have made it really hard. Harbaugh is really smart. The, Ra- the Ravens organization's smart. And even though he had that bad three quarters of the playoff game, he played better in the fourth quarter against the Chargers. They stuck with him, they never benched him. And. You know, they they were unequivocal this year about him being their starting quarterback, and I think like because they they kind of knew what what they had, and I don't know I don't think the Bengals would have known what they had. They would have succumbed to like right. the, well, I don't know maybe he's just not a pro quarterback. Yeah, well, and even last year you look at the Ravens and they had Marty Morningway as their coordinator, and Jackson did some things that were right at times, and then he had a horrible playoff game, and it took him it took a Flacco injury just to get Jackson in there even. Uh, now, right. once he got it in there, he stayed in there. But they but had was, this prehistoric offense. They didn't really know what to do with them. Normal. That was normal because Flacco had been there. They won a Super Bowl. He'd been there ten sure. years. There's a lot of legacy. And there, Lamar Jackson sure. was the thirty, you know, the thirty-first pick or whatever. He was like the last pick. So, you know, to wait half a year, I think that was pretty normal. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I just, but it's also. And the year one versus year two, there's often a big leap, especially for a quarterback. You know, he gets a full off season of the cycle and, you know, working with the offense. And and also, though, the uh, offense, you know, was is tailored around him now. My point being is there's only a few fran- – not every franchise would successfully develop an offense that's built around his skill set. Greg Roman was the perfect coordinator to build in, bring in. They have good offensive linemen. You stick him with a couple other teams, and who knows? And Bengals really stand out as one as a, oh, this could have been a real disaster. Yeah. I mean, the Giants make it harder for Daniel Jones than it needs to be. I mean, where's Barkley on the check down? I mean, they never throw to him. I and mean, what an easy play to have to your explosive back that can break tackles and rip off huge gains. Never see check downs. Right. You know, Dak Prescott's playing pretty well behind a great line, and that's a huge asset that he has but they're not making it easy for him. Right. All those throws were like pinpoint throws with toe tapped in the sidelines. I mean, just make some easy stuff. Get Zeke out there in space, some checkdowns. 
if you don't think Zeke's a good enough pass catcher, then get a third down back. But you know, everything shouldn't be hard. Everything, you know, the, you, the good offenses really make it look easy. And if you have a good offensive line, it shouldn't be hard to make it look easy. Right. That's right. So, uh, but you, yeah, it's, it's tough, you know, as much as we have draft envy, I mean, it just doesn't always work out that way. Already knocked out of your survivor pool. Did you end up losing early in the season, feeling like your success is mostly based on luck? Wish there was some alternative where you can use actual fantasy sports knowledge as opposed to relying on whether a team wins or loses? Well, now there is. World Fantasy Pools brings you the first-of-its-kind game type, stat-based survivor pools. World Fantasy Pools takes the traditional concept of survivor pools that players are familiar with and adds in a more exciting twist. Instead of choosing a team to win a game, you will use your fantasy knowledge to choose an athlete to achieve a designated stat line. Achieve the stat line and you advance. Fail to and you will be eliminated. Be the last to survive or make it through all rounds to win or split the prize pool. Just choose one athlete each round to achieve a designated stat line to advance and win. It's that simple. Sign up and play today at www.worldfantasypools.com. Speaking of Survivor, Chris, this was a massive Survivor week. Huge. I... I one of the biggest miss races, miss miss rates I've ever seen. Uh, where you know so many teams, so many people were on either New Orleans or the Colts. I think the combined, like if you go to either Yahoo or foot, OfficeFootballPools.com and you look at the ownership share, it's like ninety five percent. Yeah, it's crazy. A huge, huge amount on those. Two. I mean, the two obvious teams, right? Some people hadn't used the Saints because of Teddy Bridgewater, and then uh, the. The Ravens the Colts were, were like sort of the obvious big favorite. Now the bears siphoned off some people because once Stafford was scratched, they became viable. Right. And the chiefs were sort of viable also though with Mahomes playing and they lost. So it really knocked out a ton of people and uh, really just goes to show like this is the pot odd stuff, right? If you, if you'd use the bears because uh, you saw that everybody's on those other two teams, you know, you may have won your pool right now. You, you at least advanced toward the very end. Yeah, so in my my double elim pool, there were 43 people still alive going into the week. I was one of two people to use the Bears. Two other people used the Ravens. Everybody else used the Colts or the Saints, and there were only five teams that had that were still alive, like that had no misses at that point in time. Four, five entries that had no misses at that point. I'm the only one that has no misses now. It's amazing. Don't screw it up. I know. I will. I'll find a way. Uh, but uh, it, you know, that little pivot made a huge difference. And now, you know, I'm, I was sweating it. Down six nothing with a minute left in the first half. They get that late touchdown in the second quarter to go like seven six at halftime, and then they get a couple of early scores in the third quarter. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm cruising. And then they went into a shell again offensively. Galladay gets that touchdown. Uh, and they had all these other chances. You know, they're driving the ball. Galladay had two terrible drops. Uh, there's yet even still they're driving at the end of the game. And you know, I'm like, ah, they're gonna go for two. And watch this. And I, if, if you're the Lions, you absolutely go for two in that situation. Of course, you get you're not going to overtime in the in, in Soldier Field with, with the, Jeff Driscoll at the helm. Yeah. yeah. But you know, it's crazy. Uh, the Bears defense is just not what it was last year. I mean, they should have just last year's defense would have just destroyed Jeff Driscoll. Right. The fact that he was still alive with the ball down the stretch is just crazy. The other thing is a lot of these coaches like McVeigh or Matt Nagy, like we thought those were really good coaches before the year. Right. And they neither one seems like even a good coach this year. And yeah. 
Yeah. It, some true. of it's like quarterbacks. Like, you know, one year we think Matt Ryan is a superstar and the next year it's Matthew Stafford and the next year it's Derek Carr has a good year this year or whatever. And it kind of rotates like who you think is good, but man, you know, some of this coaching is, is overrated. It's so easy to say, Oh, this new coach is really good. And obviously you have Belichick and Harbaugh. Those guys have been around. I think Pete Carroll, he makes a lot of dumb decisions, but and Mike Tomlin, same thing, but they're good coaches. Like they're right. The teams are usually prepared. Tomlin had every excuse to tank, you know, just pack, you know, pack it in. And they traded for a DB who's doing a lot for them. And they're playing like they're trying to get in the playoffs. You know, they're, those are good coaches. And I think Gruden's a good coach and the Raiders, he's like coach of the year candidate, but Kyle Shanahan's good. Reed's good. Improving in the NFL. Yeah. Thought we at least, we, we, you know, we thought McVay and and Nagy were two of the better ones and they don't even seem like in the top five right now. And what's it say about all these teams that picked off McVay's assistance or people that once knew him? Um, You know, it's, although I, maybe that, you know, you take away, maybe that also speaks to why a guy once was good and may not be. You take away some of his support, right. all of a sudden he's not as good. He doesn't have his assistance anymore. That's actually a big deal. We see that at colleges all the time, too. You lose, like, your coordinator, all of a sudden you're, you're scrambling, trying to do it on your own, and it's, it doesn't always work out that way. It's kind of a chicken and egg sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, the craziest thing was the Giants, the Super Bowl Giants teams in the 80s. They had Belichick was their defensive coordinator. Parcells was the head coach. Both of those guys separated and still had massive success elsewhere. And then, I mean, obviously Parcells missed Belichick as defensive coordinator, but he still took like three other teams in the playoffs. And then you know, they had Tom Coughlin was like the wide receivers coach. Yeah. He won two Super Bowls. It it's funny how some trees are better than others. The Walsh tree was fruitful. The Parcells tree was fruitful. The Belichick tree hasn't been that fruitful. No, but maybe he's smart. Maybe he never like, maybe he's like really helpful guys. He keeps down, you know, keeps them at lower levels. So they stick around. Who knows? Who knows? Or maybe he's just such a super genius in his own right. No, that's what it is. He just, he just really, it's funny though, because you hear him talk or you hear him analyze film and stuff. He obviously knows what he's talking about, but there's nothing so clever. You know what I mean? He's just Maybe he keeps a lot of it to himself, but maybe that's the point. It just it's not like, about being clever. You know, it's, it's yeah, just it's, distilling the basics. It's more like thorough beats clever, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Uh, Having a good system, knowing how to get these guys, you know, to, to do what you need them to do is maybe more important than just being clever. Right. Right. Um, clever won't get you anywhere there. So, uh, but yeah, it's so funny. We're crawling, you know, all these teams crawling all over themselves to get coaches from the McVeigh tree when he hasn't even won a Super Bowl yet. Uh, but uh, it, it, it it's hard to it's hard to find well, a good hire. This shouldn't year. even won a championship game. I mean that that non PI like put them in the Super Bowl. They should yeah. have been there. That's true. That's true. They were but, lucky to be Dallas in the uh, they, was that kind of a close game. I can't remember. Yeah, but what you Maybe know they pulled away in the second half. Yeah. But, you know, the th- uh, looking at everything, you know, it's like, you know, how do you find a good new coach when you're you're the say you're the Lions, um, you know, and they decide Matt Patricia is not going to be there is not, you know, the guy their guy for future. I mean, what's the process? How how would if you, Chris Liss, were parachuted in, say you can do anything you want with this franchise, you go find their next head coach. What do you do? I'm coaching it, man. I'm going all in. <laughs> no. Uh, I, I don't, I mean, you got to interview people. I mean, the thing is, it's, it's hard. It's always hard to assess. It'd be like talking to a quarterback and being like, 
but not really seeing him play mm-hmm. and being like, well, how do we, you know, how do you know if he's good just from talking to him? I mean, you may coach at college. You may have, I really think like the, the thing you want to look for more than, Oh, he's a modern analytics guy, which is like the dumbest thing because any more with the spreadsheet can pose as a modern analytics guy. Remember the uh, Mariners GM for a while pretended to be an analytics guy, but Oh yeah. Like, and he wasn't uh, Tony Blangino to do his work for him or something. Yeah. Anyway, I forget the guy's name. I think he's gone, but um, anyway, the, it, it's hard to know who's good. And I think that the, what you probably want to aim for and what I think they usually aim for is like a Tomlin or a Carroll, like somebody who, you know, knows how to lead a team. And then you hope that they're not, you know, Tom Coughlin and doing it from 20 years in the past and that they're forward thinking about it. People thought Gruden was a troglodyte and wouldn't succeed. And it's, it's wrong. He, he knows what he's doing in the modern NFL. And I think that that's what you need. You just need someone who is first and foremost, a leader of men. If you can't get the team to do what it's supposed to do and play as a team, you're done. It doesn't matter what your spreadsheet looks like. Right. And then second, you know, you hope that there's some creative, you know, some innovation and some creativity there. And you're not, you know, hiring Tom Coughlin. Right. Exactly. Jack Zarenchik, by the way, was, uh, who you were thinking of. That's the, the guy. Jack Zarenchik, that guy. He was posing as an analytics guy. He wasn't. Right. Right. Well, and it's one thing, you know, it's one thing to be, just say, Hey, I'm sympathetic to analytics. I don't know them all myself. You know, don't put yourself, you know, he could have, he could have been straight up honest about it. Instead, he had to uh, say, well, I'm the brain here and take all the credit for all that. And yeah, you get exposed. It's, it's, it's so funny to see that. A lot of those people are are kind of nut, nut jobs though. You know, they're they're so driven. They don't care. They'll say what they have to say. But like Harbaugh is a great example. He's like, I'm not a big analytics guy, but our department tells me we're going for two in these situations, going for four on fourth down more. and, And he listens to them. Yep. Peterson, too, with the Eagles, (laughs) you know, is another guy like that, too. And probably Frank Reich for that. Andy Reid, Andy Reid just needs like a designated game coach. Like he does the prep and then someone else stands on the sideline during the game. Right. That's right. Uh, So, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. And by the way, Andy Reid's actually another coach that actually has a pretty decent tree also. Uh, Although and he's part of the, you know, the Walsh Walsh, tree. So for what that's worth, um, I still can't get over the Saints losing to the Falcons. I mean, obviously, the six sacks were a big deal. And you look at that as, you know, that that go, that explains a lot of it right there. You know, when you, you can't get when you're going in a lot of negative uh, negative field position things. They also had 12 penalties for 90 yards also in that game. So even though they had zero turnovers, I mean, they only put nine points on the board. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm skeptical of Breeze. I, I, I think he obviously his brain is working fine and he can make good decisions, but he's 40 or whatever. I mean, he, you know, most of these guys are not good at 40, and I think he may have lost a little bit. I don't think there's a huge difference between Breeze and Bridgewater. It's my thesis, and I don't, I don't want to read too much in this one game. I, I think that every year there's always a game that means nothing. That you know, mm-hmm. one team just. They just two teams. They just play uncharacteristically for themselves, and the next week they go back to be themselves. But absolutely, and often it involves the Saints. Yeah, it really does. I remember way back when the Rams were nearly winless, and they beat the Saints uh, and destroyed a lot. And that was in L.A. If I, I mean, in St. Louis, 
at the time, and that destroyed a lot of Survivor things. And that was at least that one was on the road. Uh, but you know what? It, it, you know, just like we saw with the Dolphins the last two weeks, they're, they're still professional players and they're still trying to win too. Even though, you know, front offices might not be trying to win, players can't – very rarely do players tank. You'll sometimes no, see it at the end tank. of the season. But they, if they tank, they get hurt. They get destroyed. And plus, they're professionals. They have pride on the line. They don't want to see them get lit up. Plus, they, they could lose their job. That's always a thing in the NFL too. Yeah, the, the players aren't tanking. And I don't, it's hard to understand why an entire team shows up flat against another team that shows up completely inspired but it does happen now and then and i I really just write that one off Uh, jerry was on the show i agree with him like and if it happened next week again the saints were totally flat and got their ass kicked by somebody who's not that good was i think they're playing the bucks this week um then i would start to take notice and think what's going on here i can see them losing to the bucks by the way i mean you can always see it because it's always you know it's always like 25 percent if it's in tampa or whatever so yeah yeah, and that that's kind of what I'm looking at. That yeah, I mean it's pro- it's probably even higher. You, do you think there's seventy percent favorites on the road? About yeah. I mean, if you, if you translate the percent favorites to the line, seventy percent is usually like a seven and a half, eight point line, something like that. Seven somewhere around there. I think they'll be. You know, we'll talk about it tomorrow, but they'll be in that range. They may not. You know, like maybe a point or two higher or lower, but sixty-five, seventy. I think they'll be. The implied line. All right. Well, we'll be an interesting guess. The I, lines. Haven't, I haven't looked at the actual lines. I yeah. could be wrong, but that's just my, it's yeah. my guess. Just going to say guess the lines will be interesting tomorrow for that game. At least uh, we'll look, I'm looking forward to doing that. Uh, I like, I'm looking forward to doing the process. I actually, I think it does help me one, one bad week, notwithstanding. Um, and I think it actually helps me with the value meter too, a little bit, just kind of, you know, you know, everything is kind of, it gives you kind of a framework to kind of, work on set what you think is the week is going to go like there. So at any rate, well, I think it's, I think it's good to write down your own observations about something before you see the markets. Yeah, I so agree. You know, what you think, you know, I'm a little bummed sometimes. I don't take my own advice. Like I was going to pick up Tannehill and, and start him instead of car. I think he would have scored more points. I would have won this week in that NFFC league. But you know, it's like, just who cares what the market says? Just do the thing you want to do. You, you can check the market and say, well, am I crazy? As long as the market doesn't say you're insane, even then, if you truly believe what you're doing, then do it. But, you know, as long as it's like ballpark, then go with your own observations. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree with that. And that's why I do the Game Pass thing. I do the rewatch thing. Also, it helps me, like, see, okay, well, there, you, you know, this player got only four targets officially, but he really had eight because of these penalties or whatever, or you right. can see what they're trying to do. You can, you, cause when you, you can't possibly consume every game at once and really understand what's going on. You can kind of follow the scores and see some plays here and there. Uh, if, if you watch the grid channel or you can watch red zone, but you're going to miss stuff. So that's, yeah, I like the, I, I, and the availability of this technology and just, the, you know, it's not that hard. It's, you know, streaming all these games. The availability of doing that is greater than ever. So why not take advantage of it? So I like doing that too. Um, so we'll see. What are you working on for East Coast offense? So I think I'm going to write about. I was talking about how pass interference is arbitrary, and how I just lost a very close game in my NFFC league. And just to talk about embracing arbitrary and stop trying to legislate it away somehow or explain it away. Like a lot of things come down to 
a point here, a point there, a, a lineup decision here, a lineup decision there. And you couldn't know in advance. And you know, the best thing to handle it is just to embrace it and be like, all right, well, there's some luck involved. There's some arbitrariness involved, but move past it rather than um, agonize over it. And I, I think the ultimate sort of end of it is going to be like, well, you know, had I, well, there's two things. One, if had I not switched my, if I'd gone for Tannehill, I would have won. Had Christian McCaffrey gotten credit for that last touchdown, I would have won. But the other guy had Daniel Jones on his bench. He started Jared Goff. So it wouldn't even be close. And then beyond that, I didn't even want Christian McCaffrey at pick two. I wanted Barkley. I was hoping the first guy took McCaffrey. Yeah. So I shouldn't even be in this conversation that we're having of having this great team that's even that I'm even mad about. So it's just, you know, looking at um, starting with the league and the officiating and trying to sort of say, well, we should just embrace arbitrariness and luck because we can't escape it anyway. And when we, you try too hard, uh, you end up just doing more damage than, than good. That's right. That's right. Uh, and I think that applies to DFS. I think it applies to, you know, obviously season long too. Um, probably not just football, but probably life. You know, yeah. I think it's a good life lesson. Yeah. I'm, I'm still learning it. I still get really pissed on these like tiny little things. But if you really think it through, you're like, I shouldn't even have Christian McCaffrey if I had my way. So what am I even complaining about? Right. Uh, well, I, I, I remember you, uh, Going on rants one year about the Giants, and then there was a catchphrase you used, uh, not magnanimous, but... Uh, oh, equanimity. Equanimity, that's it. And then yeah. you're like, screw that, like two weeks later. But... Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, well, that's going to tie things up. I have many failed attempts to cultivate equanimity in my life. Many, yeah. many. Yeah. Um, you, you can just... You can't, you can't really... You can do your best just to kind of keep it down every once in a while, basically, is what yeah. it gets to. All right. I think that's going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, thanks for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. We got Joe and Jake tomorrow. Thanks again for listening. Take care. Thanks to Yahoo for uh, sponsoring us, too, by the way. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.